audience is almost certain to cross many cultural and linguistic boundaries. In order to communicate effectively across different varieties of English and to help avoid misunderstanding, writers need to understand how culture and language shape readers' expectations and responses. A good place to start is with a discussion of the rules we can follow to help make our writing more intelligible. Another word for rules is grammar. Don't worry, many people feel uncomfortable when they hear the word grammar. They think grammar is a set of mysterious rules that they are constantly in danger of violating. In fact, people know intuitively the grammar of their native language, or else they couldn't speak it. What they often don't know is how grammar works. Well, just as you drive a car without knowing about an engine, you can also write without knowing much about the concepts of grammar. But if you know a little about how your car works, you can keep it running better and longer. Similarly, if you understand a few concepts of grammar, you can be more confident about many aspects of writing. For instance, in writing we often have to think about tone. A listener can rely on a speaker's tone of voice to help clarify a speaker's intent. In writing, however, tone can be a bit more difficult to discern. Think about this sentence. Thanks for the terrific flowers. If this sentence were written in an email, it would be hard to hear the writer's voice. Does the writer mean... Thanks for the terrific flowers. Or, thanks for the terrific flowers. The words are the same, but the meanings are clearly different. Punctuation can sometimes help, but even with an exclamation mark, you could still hear this same sentence with an angry tone. In fact, such confusions about tone in email have given rise to those ubiquitous emoticons, the smiley faces and frowning faces which are everywhere present in weak writing to make sure the reader understands what the writer means. Emoticons were invented in part because people tend to write emails and IMs quickly without paying attention to how their words might come across. Of course, in college writing we don't use emoticons. You'd never write a paper the way you write an email. If you simply take your time, and if you are aware that what your reader hears in her head may be different from what you intended, you can avoid misunderstandings. One thing to keep in mind is that not every tone is appropriate for every audience. For instance, would you write an email to your professor the same way you'd write to your closest friend? What about your parents? Your congressman? Each opportunity for writing presents us with different expectations. Luckily, there are some general principles that apply to most writing situations. For example, most readers prefer a personal and accessible style of writing. They prefer to be talked to, not talked at. All readers like to feel included in the discussion, even if they disagree with the argument. If you begin by imagining your audience, you can begin to understand their expectations and anticipate likely reactions. This way, you'll be able to adjust your writing, your approach, and your tone accordingly. In Chapter 1 of your Penguin Handbook, you can learn more about how to write for various audiences for different purposes. For example, a simple audience is one whose attitudes and knowledge can be easily characterized. It's fairly easy to guess what this audience will expect. A multiple audience, however, is one comprised of people with multiple backgrounds who read the same document but for different reasons. This kind of audience is more difficult to write for. When thinking about your audience, it's a good idea to ask yourself these six questions. 1. Who is most likely to read what you write? 2. Is there a broader secondary audience who might read what you write? 3. How much does your audience know about your subject? Are there any key terms or concepts that you will have to explain? 4. 
How interested is your audience likely to be? If they are unfamiliar with your subject or lack interest, how can you get them interested? 5. What is their attitude likely to be toward your subject? If they hold attitudes different from yours, how can you get them to consider your views? And 6. What would motivate your audience to read what you write? One thing that might persuade a person to read some piece of writing is the writer's ethos or credibility. Writers must convince their readers that they are credible, meaning that they are, one, knowledgeable about the subject, and two, have their readers' needs in mind. Not only should you have your audience in mind, but you should also know the purpose of your writing. Ask yourself, are you writing to reflect, to inform, or to persuade? If you are writing a news article, you are writing to inform. The same thing applies if you are writing a user's manual. If you're writing a personal essay, you're most likely writing to reflect upon a life experience.